Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. This is who we are. Um, happy birthday, Refuge. Uh, yeah. Four or five of you. They getting old, man. They're nine years old, man. Um, that's crazy uh, to, just to think that uh, nine years ago, um, dude, I was 28 years old. I don't know why anybody would come to a church that a 28-year-old is leading. Um, if you're thinking about doing that at age 28, let me go ahead and tell you, don't. All right, just wait. Wait a couple more years, all right, at least till you're 30, or at least till you get a little bit of gray hair um, that, you know, people take you serious then, I guess. I don't know. It just seems I'm rambling. All right, so here, um, yeah, nine years ago is really strange uh, that we uh, have been here in West Point for nine years. Um, like I said, I was 28. Marina was pregnant with Nora just about to pop with that little thing. Uh, before we even knew that little thing was a fireball. And uh, G was four years old. And, uh, you know, now he's just killing it on the drums. And, uh, you know, 12-year-old. Jude, I mean, he's still four. You know, he's still acting like he's four years old. But um, not much has really changed. So he's just tall. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we started nine years ago, and that's just crazy. And I just want to say thank you all uh, for being here. And uh, I know it's spring break for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we started with, like, $2,000, I think, in a bank account, which is really not what you're supposed to do when you're starting a church. Uh, but we had $2,000, um, but we had a lot of faith, and that's all that we needed. Um, we had some dreams, and we had some visions, uh, but most importantly, what we had was God. And, um, and we knew what God was setting us out to do. Uh, was to see change, um, see change in not just our community, but see change in people's lives. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, if I could say that, that we've, we've seen that, we have. Um, and God has chosen for some reason to continue to use us. And I, I've learned two things over the past nine years. It's these two things. Uh, the first one is God is faithful um, even when, you know, we, we, should have, we shouldn't even be here, honestly, uh, and but had it not been for the faithfulness of God, uh, yeah, we I'd be doing something else. I'd be like a salesman or something. Be very terrible at that too. Um, um, and, and the other thing that I've, that I've learned is that God's not done with us. He said that he who starts a good work on you is faithful to complete it. And I know that this is something that only God has started because it's definitely not in my abilities to do anything like this. But I know that one thing, uh, two things are true about, about refuge, and there are two things that are about, true about God, and that is that God is faithful, and this is a testament of that, and that God's not done working in, and not just me, but he's not done working in you. And I've always said that as long as you have breath in your lungs, God's still going to use you. And, uh, and what I know about refuge is that as long as we're here, God's going to use us, all right? Now, the journey probably has not been um, exactly how we thought it would be. There's obviously 
uh, it's a roller coaster, I would suggest. Uh, anytime you do some kind of, any type of venture in your life, whether it be a new job, whether it be a career, business, uh, particularly a church, you better expect the ride to be uh, consistently inconsistent, and you better expect it to be a roller coaster. And I was, as I was reflecting and, and thinking through, uh, really over the past nine years, um, I, I, I thought about a story uh, that I want to share with you in the Bible, uh, because that's what we do. We read the Bible here. It's, it's, it's a good thing to do that. And in fact, it's from Zechariah uh, chapter 4, so you can turn there. And, uh, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, if I get anybody in the Bible, if I feel like I'm one person, you know, like sometimes you, you role play yourself into the scripture and you're thinking, uh, some of you are like, uh, well, I'm Moses, you know, and I'm like, some of you are like, and I'm, I'm Peter, I'm Jesus. I don't know if you think that, that's weird. Um, so there's some people in the, in the scripture that I, that I, that I think, gosh, this guy, I, I relate to this guy a lot. And, and the guy that I relate to most is probably a guy that's often looked over, uh, in the scripture, his name was Zerubbabel. Uh, Zerubbabel was a governor in uh, over his uh, area, his region. At this time, in the scriptures in Zechariah, uh, the Persians have taken over. They have conquested, or they have conquered over uh, the ruling party that was over uh, Israel. And so, uh, crazy thing, the Persians they were a little bit more open to any type of God. You, you worship the cow, you can, that's fine, do it. Uh, you worship uh, your God, that's fine, go do it. And so the Persians, uh, they allowed the Jews to go back to their home. So here they are, they're, they're on their journey back to the home. Uh, the problem is that there's no temple for them to worship God in, and so they set out on this journey to rebuild the temple. Now, this isn't a temple that uh, was anything like Solomon's temple, because Solomon's temple was this grand uh, church building, I guess we can say, just to kind of uh, relate to them. And, and so they were all just pouring into this, this Solomon, and then it got destroyed. And so there's this puzzle that they're, they're dealing with now. Uh, in fact, the book of Ezra talks about how some of the old folks, they were lamenting that the temple wasn't anything like they thought it was. It wasn't like it used to be. Doesn't that sound like some people you may know, like, well, this ain't the style of music we were accustomed to. Why y'all listen to rap music on your way into church this morning? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like Spotify took over and did something weird this morning. You know, and so like, like there was this old religious type people that were, they were lamenting, they were crying. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Ezra that you could hear these cries from miles and miles away of people lamenting like, why isn't the temple like this? Why, is, why isn't it like King Solomon's? Boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. My preferences are better than yours. It's about me, me, me. You can't relate to that, can you? Oh, you can't. You can. I know you. Um, and so, and then you had the young generation, you know, they didn't care. They're like, all right, hey, let's play rap music up in uh, the new temple, yo. And so you had all these kind of different things. And so here's this governor who is not allowed to be king. His name is Zerubbabel. He's over all these jokers, okay? He's been set out to accomplish something, and that was to see the fulfillment of the temple being rebuilt. And the temple was not just a church building for them. It had a, a lot of deep meanings to them, right? This was a symbol of the presence of God. So they had this temple where they had been uh, worshiping King Solomon's temple, and it was the embodiment, really, of God's presence dwelled there. So it, wasn't, it was more than a building for them. 
It was more for just them to come and gather and sing some cool songs together. And so they wanted that. They, they were longing for the presence of God to be with them. And so that's a job, right? I mean, who wants that job? You're building the building where the actual presence of God is going to dwell. Anybody going to sign up for that? Okay, go ahead. I'm not, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be there because, like, you get something wrong or something's not right. Like, I'm going to be like, God, you will zap me dead or something, right? And so here's Zerubbabel. He's frustrated, and he's discouraged because things aren't going at the pace that he thought they would be going. So Zechariah gives uh, really some interesting prophetic words to Zerubbabel. In fact, you could find other prophetic words to Zerubbabel in his discouragement in the book of Haggai. And so here's Zerubbabel. He, he questions, I'm sure in his, in his discouragement, he's, he's wondering, like, why is this moving so slow? You ever thought that? I think God has one pace, slowness. Can anybody relate to that? I think that Miranda is trying to be like God in many ways. If anything is wonderful about that woman, she moves at the pace of God. Slow. You drive down Highway 29, and there's one pace that people of the valley know. Slow. Like, why are you scenic driving down and looking at a, a building that's been torn down for 15 years? What's so attractive about that? Well, I think they're going to do something eventually. Let's put our brakes on in the middle of the highway because that's real smart. No lie, one day I was going down Highway 29, all of a sudden somebody put on their brakes, went in reverse. <laughs> Sanctify us, God, please. I'm not even making that up. Actually happened. Put on their brakes, went in reverse. And I'm like, oh, there's no hope at all. I was about to sh shut the church down and just... I'm, I'm done, right? I mean, that was like almost it for me. <laughs> like that, I, I'm, that's because that's not my nature, right? I'm not about to stop and, and you know, try to wait for everybody to catch on up to my pace. Like, I, I got one pace, and that's fast. I got things to do. I got, I got a schedule to attend to. And I always, I, I tell my children, if you're not in my car at a certain time, I will leave you. I haven't done it yet, but I promise you one day is going to happen. And I often ask God the question that I feel dis that Zerubbabel is going through right now. I'm like, God, can you hurry things up? And I'm going to be honest with you. Over the past nine years, I've, I've asked God that question. As a result of discouragement, as a result of, you know, all of these different emotions that you go through, I have often wondered, God, why are you so stinking slow? Why isn't this thing happening like I thought it would? Have you ever asked God that question? And so the encouragement comes in when Zechariah the prophet comes to Zerubbabel and he tells them, he says, Zerubbabel, my friend here, don't be discouraged. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. And I think that's incredible what he says. In fact, let's, let's read this, um, this passage. In fact, I'm going to pick it up in verse 6. And this is 
that's that's your context. Um, you have a you have a focus on um, Zechariah here. His focus, primary focus, if you're looking at um, the purpose and intent of a book of the Bible, Zechariah's purpose and intent is to encourage the people of God. Ezra, if you read Haggai, Nehemiah, this is all around the same time of, uh, that's going on here. And so Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, and, and this is what happens here. And this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. I, I love this. This is incredible. Not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. What are you, great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. And he will bring out the capstone accompanied by shouts of Grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Zerubbabel's hands have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will complete it. Then you will know the Lord of armies has sent me to you, for who despises the day of small things? This is really creepy. These seven eyes of the Lord. I hope that's like allegory. Okay. You think that's normal? Seven eyes over come up to you. I'm like, buzz off. <laughs> See what I did there? Because it's like a fly. B, you got me? All right, good. The jokes are going to get even better. Pray, saints. These seven eyes of the Lord, which scan throughout the whole earth, will rejoice when they see the ceremonial stone in Zerubbabel's hand. I asked him, what are the two olive trees on the right and left of the lampstand? And I questioned him further. What are the two streams of the olive trees from which the golden oil is pouring through the two golden conduits? Then he inquired of me, don't you know what these are? I mean, duh, that's why he's asking. No, my Lord, I replied. These are the two anointed ones, he said, who stand by the Lord on the whole earth. Imagine if, in this scene, if God were to actually give Zerubbabel exactly what he wanted. Imagine in your own life, if God actually gave you exactly everything that you wanted. <laughs> can, I, can I give you a spoiler alert? It'd be terrible. It would almost be like you giving the keys to a car to a two-year-old. The reason why sometimes you think God is slow and the reason why I feel like God is slow sometimes is perhaps because you just don't have the capacity to handle what God is trying to do and in through you just in this moment doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. And so just imagine for a moment how many of our lives would be in total disaster mode if God actually gave you everything that you wanted at the time that you wanted it. It would go bad for us. It would go bad for every one of us. Because the reason is, is because sometimes God wants to do things in small steps. Because what God does, ultimately we all want the big, but what if God is asking for the small? I don't want to give you big vision today on our joyous birthday. I don't want to give you a huge aspiration of mine. I don't want to tell you some huge, big dream that I've got. I just want to challenge you in a small way. I want to take a small step today. God moves in the small, right? 
and, I, and I've been guilty of saying things like, go big, go home. What if today I told you, go small, go home? See, that's how it goes, something like that, right? Think about how Jesus works. Think about how God works, right? This is really crazy. Jesus of Nazareth was how he was often called. Where was Jesus born? Does anybody read their Bible? Tell me. Bethlehem. Thank you. All right. It wasn't rhetorical. You can talk back to me. Willie talks back to me all the time. Feel free to do it yourself. All right. So here's, here's, here's Jesus born in Bethlehem. Most people believe population, maybe 400. All right. So smaller than West Point, much smaller than Lynette and Valley. All right. Smaller than Hughley. That's crazy, right? So, so, so think about this. God does things in small ways, God comes down with flesh in a small way in Bethlehem. This is why, this is why uh, when the disciples heard about Jesus and, and Nathaniel goes and, and he says to Philip, uh, hey, I met Jesus. He's the guy and he's from Nazareth. And you know what his response was? You remember this in the scripture in John? Can anything good come from Hughley? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Why? Because it wasn't the prestigious epic center, epicenter of culture. It was from this podunkville where God would come from. Because God does things in small ways. Think about the story of Paul of Tarsus. Tarsus was the epicenter of culture, great population. Jesus comes to him, knocks him off his horse on the road to Damascus. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting him? And he introduces himself as Jesus of Nazareth. So here's a culture collision going on. Paul just got outdone and knocked off his horse by small town Jesus by the kid from Hughley, so to speak. You know why? Because God does things, and sometimes he starts things in small things, in small ways, but sometimes we just want God to do the big things in big ways. But what if God just wants to do something small? What if God wants to do something in your life that's small? The question that you've got to ask yourself is, are you okay with that? Nobody knows discouragement like my boy Zerubbabel. He's holding this capstone, and he's thinking to himself, will anything ever happen with this temple? I mean, I got these complainers over here crying about the temple ain't like this, temple ain't like that, and I got this other people over here, and I don't know what to do with them, and all he's got is just a capstone. All he's got is just a block. And he's discouraged because he thinks that God and the progress that he's being made is just too slow. And here's the word of the Lord that comes to Zerubbabel. He says, Zerubbabel, don't be so discouraged. God is intrinsically involved in the small beginnings. So don't despise the small beginnings. Don't think that God isn't moving just because it's small. We are a, we are a, a, a large-sized 
generation. I don't mean physically. Uh, we are, that was a joke. Uh, we are a people that we love things large. We want to, what, what's the phrase that, that used to be supersize, right? Yeah, supersize. We want everything large. We want everything big. And, and we like big. I mean, we want big house. We want a uh, big family. Maybe you want a big family. Maybe you're Mormon like that. That's totally cool. Uh, it's not cool to be Mormon, but if you want a big family like a basketball team, that's fine. Uh, maybe you are, um, I, I don't you just want big stuff. We want big cars. We want big fancy. We want big salaries. I thought I'd have an amen right there. Um, we want all things big because that's how we, we do things here in America. But what if God's saying, why can't you be content if I just do something small for you? Would that be enough for you? So here's the rule. And there's just a few things that I want to just point out um, of this. And so no temple yet. Nations, I mean, they're like, they're ready to get back to God, and here's Zerubbabel, and he's just discouraged. And, and he asks this question, I'm quite sure, how are we going to do this? And I love the response that the prophet gives him. And he says, and to Zerubbabel, it's not by might, not by your power, but by my spirit. This is how we'll accomplish this. Not by anything you can do, not by your own doings, but it's by his power. It's by his spirit. Might gives us a suggestion from this text. It's a suggestion of military and wealth and, and, and really just this vitality, this energy that you have. So, so he's saying, listen, it's not going to be by your militant strength. It's not going to be by the amount of people that you can have serve and volunteer that's going to do this. It's not even by your wealth. It's not by anything that you can bring to the table that this will be completed. It's, it's, it's because of me. You can't do anything. And I think that's probably a part of my frustration a lot of times because I think I'm good. You don't think you're good sometimes? Like you think you have skills. You think you have strengths and you're like, oh, I'll use my strength and this will happen, and it's going to be so amazing. And everybody's going to be like, oh, look at Matthew. Look at that. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're accomplishing. You know how many times that's happened? No, zero. If this was all hanging on my ability, man, y'all, can we be straight? We'd be up the creek. You didn't have to amen that, Judson, but I, I appreciate the encouragement. And so the encouragement is, hey, you, you don't have to worry about it, your inability or your lack of ability. And whatever that is that God is doing in your life, you don't have to worry about it. Amen. The thing that maybe the dream that God has given you, hey, good news. Amen. It's going to be by God's spirit that does it and he accomplishes it. Perhaps on this day, we think about that for our church. And how much of a weight that lifts off of us that in order to see what God wants to do in this community, we don't have to rely on our abilities. We don't have to rely on our inabilities because it's not going to be you that accomplishes it and it's not going to be me that accomplishes it. The rebuilding that we see happening and that we're going to continue to see happen in this community 
is going to be only because of the Spirit of God. So for me, like, that makes me want to do a praise break. I mean, if, if you think about that, like, that means it's all on God. Here's what this means for me. This is, how, this is how deep I take this. This thing fails, all on you, God, right? I know that sounds, like, crazy. Like, why would you even say that? Hey, it's God. It's by his spirit. Now, that does not mean that it takes off the load for you to actually work, right? So I'm not suggesting that you just sit there and be lazy. I'm not suggesting that I become lazy and just sit in my office and do nothing. That sounds actually appeasing to me sometimes. I would actually like to just lock myself in there. But that doesn't mean that we don't actually have a part to play in this because listen to what he says later on in verse 9, or or not verse 9, later on when he says... um, you actually, in verse 9, yeah, that's right. Verse 9, when he says, hey, Zerubbabel, you've actually got to work at this, and you will actually see it completed. So he does not take the responsibility off of him. So he's not just saying, hey, my spirit's going to come down, and I'm going to, you're just going to start seeing all this dust meddling up in the, in the desert there, and my spirit's hand is just going to be the one that's building this. No. You actually have a part to play in this. Just because it's the Spirit of God through you that's going to be the one working doesn't mean you just got to sit there and do nothing. The work that you do is a response of what God has already done inside of you. So now I don't want you to take it the opposite way and say, well, now what are you saying? We got to work towards this thing? So now I got to work in my salvation? I got to do all these weird things now? No, 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 you're, you're saved because of Christ Jesus, and then all of a sudden now, as a response to that, now you work. You know a lot of lazy people? Anybody know some lazy people? Is the person beside you lazy? You don't have to raise your hand. Right? You have a responsibility. So let me, let me, let me take this for us as refuge point. Refuge point, you, me, Every single one of us, we have a responsibility, and you actually have a part to play in this, which is, again, I got to do another praise break, which means that I don't have to worry about everything, because we could accomplish a lot if a few of us are working, because that's kind of been our MO, but honey, we could accomplish a whole lot more if all of us would get our hands dirty and work. We, we have some practical things. If you're wondering, well, how can I do that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked, all right? We have a house that we are trying to finish. Amen? And guess what? It's not going to do it by itself. That would sure make the news. But it's going to be because some people who haven't done anything yet stand up and say, hey, preacher, I'll do some work. Right? We have a part to play in all of this. And it's not just a house that we're rebuilding for someone in our church. It's also ministries that take place on Sundays. You know, some of you who are parents in here, uh, you have a kid and you love your kid. But maybe other people think differently of your child. 
And so you've left the responsibility of said child to someone else to care for said child. You know, it takes a lot of patience to deal with my children. But it takes a lot more patience to deal with some of your children. Did you know that? Here I am, the encourager of the hour. <laughs> so, so maybe some of you are like, hey, you know, they're, they're not just back there watching a video and playing a game. They're shaping the next generation back there. Because we, we, we're, we're just going to be honest with you. We realize that not all parents are going to do that at home. And that, I mean, that's no judgment. We just, there may be people here in this church right now, they're, they're not even believers, okay? So, so it's no judgment there. We're just saying, like, those people back there who are working and laboring aren't just showing your child in daycare. They're pouring the gospel of Christ into your children. So you may ask, well, how can it work? Well, okay, go over there, work. Change a diaper. My son, every time he steps foot in that nursery, will make sure of it that you change his diaper. And not in a good way. I don't know what it is about that room, but like he feels comfort in that room. And this is like really disgusting and gross, but this is what happens when you're a parent, right? I, I don't know what it is about that room, but he just lets loose, like literally. And it's really disgusting. So he tells him, he says, now you've got some work to do, but it's going to be one step at a time, one moment at a time, one day at a time, Zerubbabel. So don't just get discouraged. And I love the encouragement that he says, and do not despise the small beginnings. Do not despise the small beginnings. Now, let me, let me talk about something real quick if I can. I'm going to be out of here in just a minute. A few years ago, you know, we gave big vision, big dream, big aspirations, and we labeled it, right? You guys might remember this. If you're new, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. We even have it written down on some, some materials and some, some banners, and it was the 1K 2020, where we want to reach 1,000 people. Now, we are 85, I can't do math really quick. I'm trying to do this on the spot. We're 85% of the way. But here's, here's, here's what I would suggest about that, All right? What if it's not people that actually come, but what if it is people that go? Think about that. What if it's about the church becoming more intentional about sending people out? Not kicking them out. Somebody like, well, I mean, I know this guy over here. We'd sure be better off if he were in this church. Um, not like that, but what if we are we're more intentional about sending people out? Why does it always have to be about come see, let's build an empire. Let's build a miraculous building that all the community will want. Why does it have to be about more people and people? And yes, I want to see people saved. Yes, I want to see lives transformed. But what if that could happen more effectively if we as a church are more intentional about sending people out. We are in a very traditional community. We're in a community where everybody would say they're probably a Christian. And yet our churches, they're, they're not filled with these people. What is it going to take to see 1K 2020? I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. 
it's going to take you and I to be more intentional about going. It's going to take us being sent on mission and getting them. What do you think? They're going to come here, right? And I, I know this is, sounds crazy, but I think we have the idea that, well, people are just going to come. You remember the, um, the really dumb movie that got everybody thinking a really bad theology, if you build it, they'll come? <laughs> Field of Dreams? Kevin Costner? No, I'm, that was a dumb movie, Judson. Come on. All right, so think about, think about the theology behind that. If you do it, they'll come. Think about that. And I've heard, and I literally, seriously heard in leadership, church leadership conferences, they'll say this stuff too. They'll just kind of paint it a little differently. But, you know, they'll, they'll paint it in the same way, though, in the same, uh, communicate in the same way. Well, if you build it, people will come from all over. If you hype it up, people will come. Why? So you could perform a show? Why? So someone can get some kind of experience and a good feeling. And then what happens to them during the week when that feeling isn't there? You see what's happened? You've equated Jesus to a feeling. And when the feeling leaves, then that means Jesus is gone. And it's so problematic. That's what occults believe. That's what Mormonism believes. That's what most of, honestly, this is what every other religion believes. They get a feeling, and that must be God. Feelings are not biblical. So we cannot be this church that's trying to create this uh, experience where everybody comes and comes and comes, and they consume and consume. If that's what we're doing here, then let's shut our doors. I want to be a church that's known. That was the church that kept sending people. That was the church that was actually rebuilding. That was the church. They'd get discouraged sometimes because it didn't seem like God was moving at their pace, but that was the church that saw a community rebuilt by the power of the gospel. Weren't those last few verses weird when we read them? Like two trees, got this flow of olive oil flowing down the river. Like, what the heck is going on here? It's just so strange uh, when, these, when these prophets would come and they would speak uh, to him. And, and, they're like, uh, and, and they're like, I don't understand. And he's like, don't you understand? And he's literally like, no, literally, I just said, I don't get it. What are you talking about? Two trees, got this sea of oil. What is this? I was wondering that too. It's just kind of weird. But the messenger of the Lord, and this is what most scholars would believe that this was, that these two trees represented the priest, who was Joshua, and the king, who is Zerubbabel, except Zerubbabel wasn't a king. But this oil, this flow, was that of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see the beauty of the gospel in this, that this really wasn't the priest that's pointing to Joshua and the king it's pointing to Zerubbabel, but it was pointing them to what really Zerubbabel was building into the true priest and the true king that would one day come through who? This is crazy. You got to catch this. Zerubbabel. Check out the genealogy. Zerubbabel has ties 
to the priest, to the king that was one day going to come. And he's discouraged, and he's worried about a building. He's worried about this temple being erected here. And this messenger's like, yo, Zerubbabel, man, you just don't get it. Because he knows Zerubbabel, like, in a few hundred years, this temple's going to be destroyed, the one that you're laboring into. They're going to come in, and they're going to lay siege to it. In fact, in fact, this very temple that Zerubbabel, you're building, Jesus is going to come in, too, and walk in with a whip and start overthrowing tables in it. I mean, isn't that crazy? The very temple that Zerubbabel is getting discouraged in, it's not really about the temple here. And these prophets are trying to point him back to Zerubbabel, my man. This isn't about this physical temple that's being built here, but you are a part of the temple. Through you, Zerubbabel, in your discouragement, and you thinking that God's moving so slow, Zerubbabel, you who's just the governor and you never made it to be the king. In fact, most scholars would believe that Zerubbabel didn't even make it to see the temple. It was built, but not, not dedicated over to the Lord. I mean, how discouraging is that? You see it erected, but then you miss out on the dedication of the place that Zerubbabel was building into? But these prophets come along, Haggai comes along, and Zechariah comes along and says, Zerubbabel, I need you to look a little deeper into this because this isn't about you, nor is it about this temple, but it's about one day through you and through this work that there will be the ultimate priest that comes and there will be a king that will reign over all things through the discouraged, through the slow Zerubbabel. This cat who's so discouraged. It's like, God, can't you move a little faster, please? These prophets are like, yo, man, you get the best job of all. That just in a few hundred years, in a town of Bethlehem, this small town, there's going to be another small beginning. And this one, this small beginning, is going to change the world. And it's through who? Zerubbabel. Some hundred years before Jesus comes into the scene. Do you see the beauty of the gospel in this? It's Christ. He steps in to this small beginning in this small town. Can I ask you a question? Like, what is the small thing that you need God to do in your life? What's the small thing? What's that one small thing that you may be frustrated with God about? Don't be discouraged. Because maybe the small thing, maybe the small dream, maybe the small idea that God's given you isn't really about you, but it's about his kingdom. Here's what I know about myself. Here's what I know about this church. I, a lot of people ask me all the time, they're like, what's, what's the next six months? What's the next six years look like for refuge? And, you know, I give them kind of a blanket answer, um, try to come up something on the spot. You know what I mean? Well, we've got big vision, big dream. <laughs> Let me ask you, what if in the next six months or just in the next six years, 
What if God does something small? Can you still be committed to that? What if God just does something small? And what if God continues to move slow? (sighs) Can you stay committed to that? Can you stay committed? What if God just wants to do something small here? Can you stay committed to it? Because the small is how God begins. And the small is where he moves. I'll I'll sign up for that. Even if it stays small, are you going to stay committed? That's tough, and that's a challenge. And that's how I feel like I should challenge us on this incredible day where we celebrate. We'll party in just a minute. But let's just be straight and let's be real in this place this morning. Are you okay with God just doing the small work? Because ultimately he's already done the big work, right? Let's pray. Father. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.